On the show today, we have Simon Ellis, one of the four co-founders of SmartWage. Simon realized that a vast majority of South Africans were underpinned by a cruel payday poverty cycle. And his passion and desire to give back to the community through sustainable entrepreneurship sparked the idea and the creation of SmartWage. Simon is a proud South African who spent most of his career at a big four accounting firm in the United Kingdom within the private and capital division. He's also the co-founder of Nutbrook, which is a family-run investment property startup in the United Kingdom. Hi guys, welcome to another episode of Young Professional African Edition with your host, Jonathan Rwanika and Shanil Mudli, equipping you with all the right tools to jumpstart your career in an African context by sharing experiences and spreading the gospel of information. With original music brought to you by Africa's own, Yunil Badiachi. Thanks, Simon. Thanks for, for joining us on the YP Africa podcast. Really looking forward to this one. Um, so I know you're the, you're the founder of SmartWage. And before we go into SmartWage and, and your background, one of the most important things, where are you from and where did you grow up? Thanks, Neil. It's, it's great to be here. I grew up on a small farm in Nottingham Road in the Midtown Midlands. Uh, went to school in KZN before heading over to Stellenbosch University to study accounting. Um, I then took a year of traveling after my studies, going through India, China, and most of Southeast Asia and Australia before moving to London to complete my accounting articles at Deloitte. Wow, that, that's awesome. So, and, and why did you, what made you want to travel around Asia um, specifically? Was there any reason or something that... I, um, I think it was, a, I, I, I spent some time in the States in between my third and fourth year working during the ski season in America. And... Um, realized that there was a whole lot more to life and there was a whole lot more that I needed to learn. Um, so really one of my key philosophies is putting myself out of my comfort zone as much as possible. So um, put myself in India where I didn't know Seoul and then in China where I didn't know Seoul. And um, I think it was really one of the most educational things I ever did. You are in a completely new environment and I kind of did it to test myself, to see to see what was out there and, and it opened my mind up to a whole new world that I just never experienced before. That's uh, really awesome. And I think just highlighting a point there on a lot of the other entrepreneurs that we've had on the show, that, that quality of, of challenging yourself and getting out your comfort zone is, is a theme or a common theme that we've seen. And, and it's, you know, it's, it's the same here. Uh, whether it was within your business or within your private life, I can see that, that you're somebody that wants to challenge. Challenges. I think it's really important. Uh, you know, we were talking about it last week. Uh, one of the things that I could go back and give myself some advice, I'd say put myself out of my comfort zone as much as possible, whether it's in the workplace or in the personal place, learning to, you know, be a public speaker or, or taking up rowing or something I've never done. I think it's a, a really important thing to do throughout your life. Uh, if you're not learning, you're not living. Definitely, definitely agree there. And Tell us a bit about SmartWage. So, so I came across your guys' page, and I think you can explain it a bit more, but this is one of the, the, the startups in Africa that I, I really, really liked. It's, it's an awesome idea. So tell us a bit about the idea and, and what's the value proposition. Great. So I think maybe before I tell you about SmartWage, I'll go into the why 
Um, so the world is, is obviously changing and COVID has come around and accelerated a lot of that change. We live in a world where you can order something today and get it delivered tomorrow, but we can't work today and get paid tomorrow. And the question we're asking is why? So SmartWedge is a, an African technology company that enables employers to offer their employees access to earned wages. Um, we're on this mission to create, a, well, our vision is to create a future where no one should wait to be paid. Um, our mission is really twofold. We're, we're on a mission to eradicate the payday poverty cycle, and we do that through access to earned wages and financial education. And I think to talk a little bit about financial education, it's, it's absolutely core to what we're doing. We need to not only give people access to what they've earned, um, but we need to do it in a responsible way. Um, and that's where the education comes in. Giving people the education they need to ensure they make smart financial decisions is at the heart of our value proposition. So, so to talk about the value proposition, um, we really like to use three words, um, affordable and access, accessible and educational. Um, to talk about affordable, right now South Africans don't have access to what they've earned. And because of that, 80% of South Africans resort to unsecured loans, which, uh, as we know, are, are given to them by payday lenders uh, who are sharks and who charge exorbitant rates. Um, for us to actually make a difference, we need to make our proposition affordable, and we are the most affordable in South Africa. The second is accessible. We have a bunch of financial services products that are only given to the top end of the market. In order for us to really make a difference and an impact on Africa, everyone needs to be able to use it. Um, so if you have a cell phone, no matter what cell phone, or and a bank account, you can use SmartWage. And lastly, it's educational. Um, it's one thing giving people access to what they've earned, and as I mentioned earlier, uh, it's another thing making sure that they use it responsibly. Um, and to actually instigate change, we need to deliver educational solutions to our consumers um, using mobile that we can show return uh, on investment from an employer's perspective because uh, without the educational product, uh, we are only making the situation itself the worse. Wow, there's there's a whole bunch of, of really, really good information in that there. And I and I think, you know, as you were speaking, one of the first things that, that came to my head is you're tackling a super important issue which is around um microloans, micro lending. So in, in South Africa and in Africa, what what you typically see is that people people are borrowing, you know, five thousand odd rands to fund groceries per month, um, because they're only getting paid at the end of the month. But what, I, what I've also seen, I, I think, through some of the consulting projects that I've been on is that these exorbitant rates that you speak about um, on, on your microloans from a banking perspective, those, those often help fund your, your e-bucks and your bank's rewards programs. So have you, have you seen any or have you experienced sort of any um, backlash or, or lobbying from microlenders, from banks, from whoever regarding this technology or this, this idea that you guys have? So far, we, we've been lucky to escape any sort of back, uh, backlash from anyone. But um, it's interesting because, um, you know, we're speaking to a bunch of users. We spoke to um, someone the other day. They borrowed 20,000 Rand, or okay, a fair amount of money. Um, but in two months, that 20,000 Rand, they owed 84,000 Rand off the back of that. I mean, these people are putting themselves in, in positions that they'll never get out of. And... Um, the, the National Credit Act came into force in 2009 and was really a, at the heart of what it was trying to do was look after the consumer. And unfortunately, it hasn't. Um, you have big banks uh, and retail institutions. These institutions, the, the, 
you know, um, that come in, they're offering credits to consumers at rates that first the consumers don't understand and that they'll never be able to pay off. And a number of the users of, of SmartWage believe they'll never get out of debt. And there is a way out of it. And, and it includes, you know, um, educating and, and some debt consolidation. But luckily, we haven't had anyone lobbying against us. Um, however, we have had employers who've turned around and said, this is not going to be good for our, our uh, users or our employees because they're going to use it irresponsibly. And it's trying to change the mindset. I mean, the question, as I said right at the beginning, the why. Um, why should I work today and not get paid tomorrow? Um, the, the only reason we get paid once a month is because the technology didn't allow us to do it. A hundred years ago, people used to line up and at the end of the day, they would get paid cash. Then we moved to a society where technology enabled us to get paid once a month into a bank account. And now we're moving back to where we should be. I work today, I should get paid tomorrow. Um, and if we can do that effectively and we can do it across um, Africa, I think the impact is huge. Um, you're seeing you know, companies in America and companies in the UK take advantage of technology like this or use technology for good to make real change. And if we can do that in South Africa, um, hopefully there will be no need for lobbying because everyone will recognize that this is something that we can make work commercially and obviously change people's lives. Definitely. And and I think um, just so on, on that point where, you, where you're saying, you know, sometimes employers uh, are turning around and saying that you, you, you know, they, I guess the employees will, will abuse this, this privilege. I, I, I guess that also brings about the question of what is the, what is the financial education around your, around your business model? Is there something that you guys offer or are there some sort of courses or workshops around, you know, good savings culture and these sort of things? Or, or is the view that you think that, you know, the employers should be doing this or people should take it on themselves because the information is available? You're just providing the technology. So education is really important um, and, it's, and it's critical that we get it right. Uh, you know, offering education as a standalone product is one thing. How do we, the question we're asking and the question we're sort of grappling with at the moment is how do we incentivize people to use the education product to their advantage? They've got access to it at the moment, but how do we make sure that they're using it in ways that benefit them? And the answer to that is by incorporating it into the product. So. At the moment, SmartWage gives you access to 25% of what you've earned. Now, we can limit that to 10% of what you've earned. And if you complete a number of education modules, you can then get access to your full 25%. The more you educate, the more you earn. And it's a really um, sort of novel way of delivering education in ways that incentivize the consumer to actually educate themselves. There's a number of um, brilliant companies out there delivering educational products to, in, in all sorts of ways, both on-site and, and digitally. Um, but the incentive needs to be there for the consumer to actually use the product. And that's what we're trying to solve. So we do that uh, through on-site. We do on-site financial wellness days, but we also have a, um, a digital product that, that's served through to consumers currently through Facebook Messenger and through WhatsApp that allows people to um, educate themselves uh, on often quite simple topics, um, but you've got to start somewhere. Wow, that's that is ama- that's amazing. I, I love that business model. I love the fact that people have to earn their, um, you know, access to 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 bigger portions of of their salary of their wages. Um, and another interesting point that that we spoke about offline is that your business was actually founded during COVID. 
tell us a bit about that. How, how did that happen? Um, you, you were saying you're only meeting the founder in person, um, you know, over the next month or week or something like that. that. That's a really awesome story. So just maybe tell us a bit about that. Yeah, I think it's been a, it's been a prime example of uh, using technology to actually make a company work. I, I live in the UK, um, South African, but um, I've been des- desperately looking for something to come back uh, and, and um, start. And when, when we started uh, COVID hit and then we kind of started building the team um, and one of the ladies who um, we started engaging with really early on was actually doing her MBA in the States and was moving back to South Africa. Caroline van der Merwe is now one of our co-founders and is absolutely incredible, but I've never met her. We are a completely uh, COVID-centric business. We are using technology to make sure that the relationships work, um, and I'm meeting her for the first time next week. So um, it's a story uh, I guess many people will probably tell during uh, COVID, um, but I but the one takeaway is that um, the technology is there and if we don't embrace it uh, like we are and other companies should, um, we'll never really innovate and move forward. Um, we are operating a completely remote business and have done so since we started and it's, and it's actually worked out incredibly well. Having said that, and as we spoke about uh, prior to the call, they're, they're, you need the human interaction and you need to be able to sit down face to face and have those conversations. But, um, you know, so far it's been, it's been a breeze and, um, and the company hasn't been a breeze. The, the relationships worked really well from a, from a um, digital perspective. Yeah, definitely. I, I can imagine that the company hasn't been a breeze and maybe, maybe just chatting on that. Cause I, I know that I guess a lot of the processes behind a startup is, is one of the more challenging parts not not the actual innovation or the idea, but you know building a business from the ground up so as as a startup um, co-founder, what has been some of the the challenges from you know the actual idea to to innovating to the business model development um, through funding accessing funding? what has been some of the challenges that you face that you know for another person out there who who wants to start up something they can sort of take away and and be aware of um I think everyone's got loads of ideas and um, everyone always, you know, would wake up after a dream and think, Oh, I've got something. And, and really we aren't reinventing the wheel. Um, for us, the most difficult part of the journey has, has been trying to understand what drives the behavior of our users, what drives the behavior of people in South Africa and how we can actually create a product, which actually solves the problem. It's one thing thinking we have a, product that people will use it's another thing them actually using it um so the, the easy part is giving them access to earnings the, the hard part's working out how to do it in a responsible way and how to educate employers and employees um about the solution from a funding perspective we've been quite lucky we've met some some great people along the, the way and um, i think there's a not a lot of money, but there's more money in the social impact space than say, or just typical startup space. Um, because, um, you know, I think a lot of people are focused on, on tech for good. Um, one of the things we've done to, or a couple of the things we've done to really try and create a team culture, obviously at the moment, everyone's remote, um, and culture is really, really important to us. So how, how do we foster an environment that, um, creates trust that creates accountability 
um, and allows people to drive and work together while everyone's sitting in different sides of the world. So we have a number of processes in place and some of those are sort of daily stand-ups, um, we send weekly emails, we um, use the Scrum technique, which is, which is um, common in, in startups, um, and we, we really try and foster uh, an environment of accountability responsibility and resourcefulness and i think that's that's actually been something that's the hardest but if you get it right is something that makes a huge difference to the culture and the team awesome that's that's really really great insights that you've given there on the startup culture um i i, I think what's also important or, or a big theme that's that's been around for us um more so in the corporate journey than in entrepreneurship has been around mentorship has this been something that that's been a big thing for you in in um, I guess building your 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 startup or even building your your corporate um, as, while you're in corporate, you know, sort of climbing that ladder and learning. Um, are there any mentors that you that you have and that you look to for advice around startups and your your career and your development? Maybe I'll start with talking about uh, Deloitte. When I when I joined Deloitte, I got very lucky to to sort of work with a with a guy who who became my mentor over four years, and I realised the value of a mentor. I never really had a formal mentor, and I, he probably. Um, never knew that I he was sort of he mentored me. But um, as we've sort of grown SmartWage, we've had a bunch of we call them advisors, but really they're just mentors. They're friends who can help. And I really think it's it's very important to ensure that you have um, advisors or, or friends who've done it before who can help. Um, I think starting a company is hard and it's often very lonely. Um, and to be able to have people around you who you can be vulnerable with, uh, open up to, and you can actually advise on how best to make decisions is incredibly important. Um, I've got one mentor who I meet every Friday for a walk, and he really has opened my mind up to what I'm capable of and what I think I'm capable of. Um, it started out as a, a sort of a more formal relationship, and now it's, it's less formal and um, the important part for, from a mentorship perspective is being able to be vulnerable. Can I actually open up and say, hey, things aren't actually going so well. It's lonely. It's tough. And, and how can I, how can they use that to um, help me? And often it's just listening. So um, I, for anyone sort of thinking about a mentor, I would say um, it's, it's an absolute must. But with that said, I don't think mentors are the type of people you reach out to and say, hey, I'm looking for a mentor. I think it's someone you build a relationship with and who you trust. And you need to understand them and, and they need to understand you. And often it's a two-way relationship. Yeah, I, I think um, that's, that's, a, that's another thing that uh, Jonathan's brought up is that sometimes your mentors aren't formal. And I, I think it does make it a bit awkward when you approach someone and say like, hey, you know, I, I want you to be my, my mentor versus just having a colloquial conversation and extracting insights um, as, as, as a friend or as that informal, informal figure. Um, that, that's a really, really um, strong point. I, I think maybe the, the next thing is you're, you're building this business and you're, you're moving down to South Africa now. What, what is the goal for, for SmartWage? Um, what does it look like, you know, five to ten years down the line? Um, saying that everything goes goes well for you guys. I'd, I'd love to answer that question and know that and know that my answer was correct. But um, I guess we'll have to wait and see. Our, our goal by twenty twenty five is to is to make an impact on over ten million Africans by giving them access to what they've earned. Uh, if we can do that and actually prove that we've done that in a responsible way, I think the team will have done their job. Hopefully, we'll be launching across multiple African countries and 
and other countries around the world. Um, I think the the wage access game is is somewhat a zero sum game over the next five years. I, I really see this movement where suddenly everyone will be asking the question, why why are we why do we have to wait till the end of the month to get paid? And I think over you know in five or ten years we'll look back and say, do you, do you remember when we used to get paid at the end of every month? Um, but I think um, if we can be a part of this financial inclusion drive that's going on around the world um, and make some sort of difference, uh, the future looks bright. Definitely agreed there as well. That's some some awesome awesome thoughts, and and it's really nice to see that these progressive thoughts are coming from from Africa, from Africans, and and we're looking to spread it across across the continent. Um, I I think another thing is you know you've you've started this as you said during COVID. What maybe you know to 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 delve a bit deeper into your own time management has this been a full-time thing for you and if not what else have you been doing and, and how have you been managing it um sort of you know breaking it down in terms of what's been supporting you financially and what are your interests and and your long-term goals and where do you see yourself do you see yourself working in sort of one startup is, is smart wage the one or what what does the goal look like for simon are you on the board of directors of a couple of startups or you know what what is it I think if I can uh, get to a place where I've acquired um, enough skills to be able to give back to people in 10, 20, 30 years' time, that would be fantastic. Um, ideally, uh, at the moment, SmartWage is 100% full-time. I think there's this false view of what entrepreneurship is and how glamorous it might be, and I, and I don't think that's the case at all. It's been a lot of hard work, and, um, and oftentimes you doubt yourself whether you're onto something and who knows where it'll go. I'm really positive about where it'll go. But, um, you know, I think if you are going to do something, you have to give it give it your all and you have to uh, live, eat and breathe, whatever you, whatever it is you're doing. Um, I guess I'm quite fortunate. I um, We started another company called Natural Property, which has, uh, has continued that I do with my brothers. And, and that has sort of been funding my um, initial time in SmartWage and then we then we raised some investment luckily um, which has obviously helped to um, smooth things. Um, the future for me is uh, I really want to get to a place one day where I'm able to work with people who are far smarter, far better and far more equipped to go and make a big difference in the world. If I can sort of join them on that journey uh, and um, you know use what I've learned to help them, I think that'll be amazing. I, I always say if I could be 75 uh, and look back at my life and um, be able to be working with young dynamic founders who are working on whatever it is uh, will be, you know, the next big technology company in 50 years time. That'll be cool. That'll be awesome. Um, I don't see myself going into uh, retiring as such and, you know, sitting back and sip, sipping, um, cocktails on a beach I, I don't find that very appealing I think if I can live a life of learning and look back and, and give back in some way that'll be great awesome man awesome stuff uh, I think I think finally that the last thing is what advice would you, would you give other aspiring startups or just young people in corporate um, around the startup that you've learned or, or that you think is extremely important um, for, for them to know or what you what you've gathered Firstly, I don't think I'm qualified to give any advice yet, but um, I, I think the one thing is just go and do it. Um, you know, I've just spoken to so many friends who 
talk about this idea or have that, you know. And I think that everyone's got ideas, everyone wants to do things, but no one actually takes the first step, whether it's uh, building a tech company or starting a coffee shop or literally, you know, running a marathon. It's literally the first step and putting one step in front of the other is what's really important. Um, the second thing is perseverance. Uh, there are so many times where we could have yeah, given up because of regulatory hurdles, tech hurdles, team hurdles, um, and we had to persevere. And I think one of the main reasons we did persevere was because we'd built a team and we'd become accountable to other people. And so as soon as you do that, you actually don't have a choice. Um, and I think if I could uh, give those bits of advice to people, I think that might help. Um, but as I said, I don't know if I'm qualified to give any advice at this stage. Uh, what a fantastic interview, Chanel. And, you know, maybe before we even talk about the interview, welcome back, season two. How are you feeling? How are you feeling about that? Yeah, man, feeling feeling awesome. Really looking forward to it. We've been putting a lot of work, so let's see how, how the content uh, that we create can, can, you know, really help out a lot more people and, and deep dive into certain issues. So I'm really looking forward to it. YP Africa website is also up now, so really, really keen. Yeah, I know so many, so many moves behind the the, the scene, Shinobu. Uh, but I think the most important thing, you know, like the continuous high quality guests that come on this show, you know, further evidenced by today's guest Simon Ellis, the CEO of SmartWage, SmartWage. You know, how about that? You know, an innovative financing solution within an African content context. You know. Uh, I, I loved a lot of themes around this interview. Uh, firstly, just the innovative solution uh, and many other things that came up. What for you really stood out uh, from this episode? Yeah, so so I think firstly, props props to Simon as an entrepreneur, you know, really, really awesome. And you can tell from the interview, very open to learning, um, very suggestive in his in his leadership. So he's always willing to listen, learn, and, and change when he, you know, when and where it needs to happen. But for me, an, another big punch here was the actual business. You know, I, I love this idea. I absolutely love this idea. Um, this is an idea that I would, I would gladly get behind because I think it's um, very, very contextual to Africa and very, very important. It, it addresses the financial inclusion and financial education aspect which is an extremely important um, part of, of our problems in, in South Africa and in Africa in general. So, so I really, really like the business. I like the business model. I like what they're doing. And I really hope these guys succeed because it's, it's an amazing business. Yeah. I, I, I do have a question though, Shanil. Like, why don't we get paid uh, like uh, a weekly or every day? Like, what's this thing of waiting end of the month? You know, even for us professionals, you know, I think that was a that's a good question. <laughs> you know, why? Yeah, I, I honestly can't tell. So, so you, you know, maybe um, the only thing that comes to mind is is managing cash flows from a business perspective. If you if you can oh. hold on to cash for thirty days longer, you can do more with it. I, I believe everyone should have access to it, and uh, companies should should adjust their cash flow cycle. Um, in accordance with that, that's that's really the only reason why I could see why it, it's not working. Yeah, so you know, maybe just bouncing off the, you know, your your you mentioning how am- amazing the solution is, you know, I, you know, just to add, 
you know, I think this is a problem that has always been, you know, it's not even a South African problem. It's an African problem. It's probably a world emerging market problem. You know, uh, people don't have access to money uh, and, and they end up borrowing money from loan sharks or payday uh, lenders uh, at extremely high rates, you know, which creates this spiral, this credit spiral that is almost impossible to get out of. And, you know, the level of innovation that smart, smart wage has, you know, with a simple idea, you know, lower, lower finance fees, offering cred, uh, people earned wages before the end of the month, you know, at way lower rates, including financial education into the mix. It sounds like they have a winning formula. Yeah, I, I honestly look forward to, to, you know, catching up with these guys five years from now, 10 years from now. I really think it's going to be one of the big names in, in, in Africa, uh, uh, big business names in Africa around um, financial services. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, maybe just for, for, for our listeners, you know, someone listening out there, you know, thinking, you know, how, you know, because it is an amazing idea, you know, but if you really dig into the process that went into it, uh, into creating this idea, you know, Simon was, was overseas, you know, he witnessed a similar company you know, reaching financial closure within the United Kingdom, you know, and just taking the idea and applying it to an Af- African context, obviously highly contextualizing the solution. You know, I-, I-, I think it highlights a theme that often comes up out from our episodes, you know, this idea that, you know, if you experience different things, I don't even think it needs to be overseas, you know, just maybe like a different country, you know, Zim going to South Africa or, you know, just witnessing different things. I think it just sparks that, innovation and extracting ideas and using them in your own context that tends to be extremely you know helpful yeah definitely and and i think a big point there is that sometimes we don't need to think of the next brilliant idea all by ourselves sometimes it's all about case studies and like you're saying making it applicable so going into the market researching what um and and you know there are platforms that that give you access to this. So for example, uh, there's, there's one called Republic in America, which is a company that allows me and you and average, average uh, individuals to invest as angel investors. So it's like you can invest $50 or whatever into these startup companies and things like that. And I think aside from the value of actually diversifying your portfolio, what's really nice for me is that I get to see what innovations are happening in America um, at that time within the startup communities. And I think accessing applications like this, even if you're not investing money, is really important because there might be one that you see where you're like, hey, actually, this could work in Africa, which is a very similar thing that happened here. And then you say, okay, well, how can we shift, change this a bit and things like that and and make a viable business out of this? And sometimes it's as easy as actually just copying it because, I mean, Bolt, Bolt with Uber, right? Bolt is still making a lot of money even though they, they didn't come up with a way, an idea that's very different to Uber. They're still producing yeah. and they're generating a lot of revenue. So you don't yeah. need to be, uh, you, you can copy and change things here and there. Yeah. And, you know, you know, just a last thought from me, you know, he, Simon mentioned something. He's like, we live in a world of accelerated changes, you know, due to COVID-19, you know, and then you guys proceed to talk about how their business has started completely uh, online these guys have never met you know talking about people who have closed large amounts of money and funding here you know what were your thoughts about that and maybe how that factors into other people just listening in 
you know, that are seeing COVID maybe as a hindrance rather than an uh, uh, opportunity. Yeah, so so I think that really did change my thinking a bit. My my initial thought was exactly I think what you what you touched on there is as an investor, how would you invest such a large sum of money when you know that the founders haven't met? And then when you think about it, it, it actually doesn't matter, right? Because why is it so important that that they met? And I think COVID, the COVID situation highlights this. More businesses should be um, you know started remotely. If if it can, then it should. Uh, another yeah. another good point is, is, is as you're saying, where you're saying that the world is changing, and that reminded me of um, Singularity University. One of the one of the speakers there, they made such a brilliant quote. They said, "The world has never moved this fast in terms of technology in the history of the world, but it'll never again move this slow." And that was wow. absolutely it. Sums it up brilliantly, you know. It does. It does. And Shinio, if you really think about it, uh, talking just YP Africa, technically we've never met, you know, <laughs> when we started this business, you know, obviously we knew each other before, but I'm just saying like, it's also been completely online, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I was actually, I was chatting to uh, one of my, my friends who, who listens to the show and he's like, okay, so like, where do you and Jonathan record? So I explained the process and he's like, oh, the guy doesn't love what you in Johannesburg. You guys like different <laughs> cities. No. And he was quite surprised. Yeah. So, so I think we're also, you know, remote, uh, finding a way around that. There are some, I guess, hampers to it or obstacles, but, but you manage to work around it, right? And that's, that's the important thing. Yeah. No, but, you know, a fantastic, fantastic episode, Shinyo. Yeah, I think, I think another one for me is, you know, going on to the actual entrepreneur which I really, really enjoyed about Simon is his, his open mind and his willingness um, to listen to other people and to actually learn. And we always speak about, you know, being agile, being, being adaptable to, to your different environment, environments. And he, he really embodies that. Um, even offline, he, 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 he was actually the only person I interviewed. So I, I always ask that question of, um, you know, what advice would you give someone who's, who's looking to start up? And after the call, it's like, so what advice would you give? And I was stumped, like, for the first time. Because <laughs> I never actually thought about that, like, what I would say in the same situation. Um, so, so I really enjoy the fact that he's genuinely trying to learn from the people that he speaks to, regardless yeah. of who they are, where they come from, anything like that. You can see that he's got that innate wanting or, or, or he, he really wants to learn. He, he loves knowledge. Yeah, yeah you know, I, I'll... I'll just to add on, Chenille, you know, for anyone listening, I would recommend Brene Brown's uh, books. I think it's Daring to Lead. You know, she talks about vulnerability at the workplace. You know, for me, when Simon mentioned vulnerability, you know, that's my kind of leader, you know. <laughs> like, I, I need my leader to be, you know, humane, empathetic, uh, you know, talk about words like vulnerability because we are human beings at work, you know. We're not just at work. So I, you know, I never, I, I never talked to him. You know, you did, but I, you know, automatically that said a lot about his character for me. You know, and then I, I thought that was amazing. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Young Professional African Edition. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the show on Apple Music. Spotify, or whatever platform that you use to listen to podcasts. And if you enjoyed the show, give us a like and a follow. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at YP underscore Africa. That's YP underscore Africa. 
And if you've missed an episode, don't stress. You can catch up on our YouTube channel, YP underscore Africa. Like and subscribe, guys. Like and subscribe. That's it from us, guys. See you next week.